Right, hello everyone and welcome back to Net Sticks and Chill after our little layoff at the end of the AIHL season. My name is Stephen Bloody and I will be joined by Gordon Goodenough and Andrew McDougall throughout uh, throughout the show later on in our interview with this week's guest, Remy Harvey. But our main talking point for this week is that the AWIHL is back for the first time since the end of the 2019-20 season. Uh, the long layoff, of course, unfortunately, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. But we are back, so we will jump straight into the recap of the weekend's matches. Uh, it was just the two teams in action, the Sydney Sirens hosting the Brisbane Lightning uh, who were previously the Brisbane Goannas in the AWIHL, but have joined forces with the Lightning as part of a rebrand. And the Brisbane Lightning will, of course, also be fielding an AIHL team next season. So the rebrand up there in Brisbane. Uh, it was 20 goals across the two games. Saturday saw the Sirens run out 8-3 winners over the Lightning while on Sunday, it was a little bit of a closer contest, finishing 5-4. Uh, the standouts were very easily Sarah Edney and Ashana Godfrey. Sarah, uh, captain of the Sirens, four goals, two assists across the weekend, while for Shana Godfrey, it was three goals, three assists. Um, so the two standouts there for the Sirens, while Georgia Watts would uh, be... If you had to pick a player from the Lightning, Georgia Watts, definitely the standout across uh, the Lightning lineup. So as some absolutely fantastic action to watch. And as part of the new broadcast deal, all games are available on Clutch TV uh, live and on demand. You don't need to pay for it. It's no longer behind a paywall. All you need to do is go to Clutch TV and sign up for an account. It's free to sign up. You literally just need an email address, put in, your, put in a password when you create your account, and you are good to go. You can access uh, Clutch TV via the website or through your smartphone or tablet device. Uh, just go to your app store and download Clutch TV, and you will be able to watch all the AWIHL action as it takes place. And so that's absolutely fantastic, live and on demand. And we'll get into uh, previewing the weekend's action after our interview with Remy Harvey, which is coming up right now. Welcome back to Nets Sticks and Chill, everyone. And joining us right now from the Sydney Sirens, is Remy Harvey. Remy, the A-Dub's back. How are you feeling about it? Oh, I'm so glad it's back, Stephen. So, so glad it's been um, a long break. So um, it was definitely nice to get the, the game started this weekend. Yeah, you guys, uh, the Sydney Sirens, managed to uh, sweep the weekend series against the Brisbane Lightning. Uh, one blowout, one game that came down to the final couple of minutes. What's it like getting to play those sorts of games and knowing that you get all the different experiences kind of wrapped back into the one weekend straight on the return. Yeah, I mean, it was great to start the season. I think um, 
we I think every team is coming uh into this season really interesting that like we don't you know we know of the players but we don't really know the makeup of the teams until we're physically there we don't know how they're going to play because there has been quite a, a long break so um I mean for us that first game was just about getting you know our team synergy working and we had quite a few uh girls making their debut as sirens which was really great um and I think a big thing for us for the second game was when um the lightning did really take it to us and they they um you know they scored first and they kept pushing ahead and I think we were able to remain mentally tough as well and kind of kept pushing through and were able to overcome adversity and you know I think it's it's a great I hope that stays with us the team kind of characteristic that we're able to bounce back from things and the fact that we were able to kind of hammer it home in the last 33 seconds I think it was I think it's a great yeah great end. Does anything um, change for you Remy uh uh, now that you're you're officially part of the leadership group, you've you've got Sarah as captain, um, and you've got yourself and, and Kate as uh, as assistants. Is that yeah? Cap, yeah. So Sarah Edney is the captain, and Kath McConey is the assistant captain, along with myself. So yeah, what, I don't really. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask you what what it's like being part of the uh, leadership group. Um, I don't really think anything specifically changes for me. I've been part of Sirens as an team for a very long time um and we I think I along with Sarah and Kath we have really strong connections to the science as an organization and um for me as a leader I just want to be there and approachable for all the girls and obviously be able to bump people up and just show a little bit of that experience and composure where, where needed as well in terms of if I don't, I don't really think anything changes I think I I, I act the same um but yeah, it's really nice to be rewarded with an A on my chest too. I was going to, um, that was one of the things I was going to ask you because you've been with the club for 10 years, roughly, a long time. You've sort of grown up uh, with the sirens. Um, and one of the things I noticed from the weekend is uh, when Lucy York scored um, only at 16 years of age, did it uh, bring back some memories when you first started playing for the sirens? Definitely. Look, that... Um, is a really special moment for me, for, for Lucy. Um, I took Lucy away with the U18s earlier this year. Um, so the, just, you know, I'm really, really happy that um, Lucy scored. But um, just the fact that that was off my setup was just, you know, that that is really special. I mean, I'm going to forever have that celebration in my head, I think. Um, but, I mean, I, yeah, I basically grew up with the sirens. We were joking on um, on the weekend that, um I have played for the Sirens since the league started. So um, I basically went through high school um, playing playing for the Sirens. So the league has definitely changed through then. And I think um, it's nice to bring the history with, with me to each game as well. And, you know, the Sirens have been through a lot of different transformations, whether it's players, the org, the coaches. Um, and, yeah, I like to bring that with, with me each time because, yeah, it has been a huge part of my life. <laughs> And I think it's, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned that you've gone through all those different experiences. You've seen the way the, the, the league's changed. What, I guess, kind of like from when you started to now, what has been the biggest change for you in terms of the way the league's gone? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, I think not 
not including COVID, but the league was really starting to get put on the map and it was um, becoming attractive to overseas players. And we were getting a lot of imports. Every team was getting a lot of overseas players and um, people that were actually approaching teams and asking, you know, looking to have a, have a year in, in Australia. So I think um, that just um, the, the, the fact that the league was sort of known um, overseas and above just the small, small like Aussie hockey circles is, um, is really great because when we have overseas players come to play with us, we get, you know, their experience and what they do with their teams back home. It obviously brings the level up, but it's really important to kind of keep that knowledge sharing going as well. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest change I've seen personally as a player. And then um, I think the, you know, in terms of Perth being added and different teams, the te teams evolving, uh, the league becoming more professional as well. Um, you know, when when I started, it was just a, sh a showcase series, but it'll meet up for a couple of weekends a year. So it's definitely um, expanded beyond that, which is really great. Well, what do you think it will take to to get the league to to that next to that next step? Um. I mean, I think everyone's answer to this will be more sponsors and more <laughs> sort of um, more more money coming into the sport. Um, I'm sure, everyone knows we still we still pay to play. We still pay to, to to go. So the 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 capacity of the league and of us as players only goes so far sometimes. Um, and we're we're really lucky. There's people that reach out. We we do have some sponsors, but it still is very much a, a pay to play sort of situation. So um, I think. Yeah, the league will only go so far um, when when that's still happening. Um, in terms of the level, I think um, the level is, is is slowly rising with the um, the boom of the sport in terms of more um, more younger girls starting and aspiring to be sirens or ADUB players in general. I think that's also growing the league too. Um, and yeah, I just think. The, the overall level is, is slowly growing and that, that brings with it the level of coaching, referees, general management organisation as, as a whole, you know. Um, I think part of what what's going to help the sport, and you've sort of touched on it with the players um, um, coming into the league, um, what's it like playing with Sarah Edney? She's already had a highlight real goal um, to start the season and when I spoke to your coach, Jaden Ryan, um, before the season, um, I did an article about your preseason. There was a massive turnout of um, players trying to 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 make the roster. Um, obviously, players like Sarah helping with the exposure um, increases that um, that level of players wanting to play play the sport and play for the Sirens. But what's it like to actually play with someone like Sarah? Oh, definitely, it's it's great to have Sarah on board, and I think the um. Just the, the 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 level that she brings in terms of um, composure and the, the the way that she plays is great, but also off off the ice as well. Um, she's been with um, with lots of different high level teams, um, so it's really nice to sort of, especially being on the leadership group with her as well. Um, it's nice to sort of draw from those experiences too. Um, I think the game as a whole is really especially females in in hockey is really booming um at, at the moment so um whether or not that's exposure through um people watching the olympics recently or you know all, all of that and um you know just seeing more women in hockey i'm not sure what that is but there was 
um, a lot of girls at tryouts, a lot of younger girls that, um, you know, that in in their goals, they they really want to be a siren. So I think that's really contributing to, um, you know, the sport as a whole developing and hopefully we can get more players like Sarah out as well to kind of help the level as well. And I guess on that development, that kind of helped transition nicely into some talks uh, about you with the national team. You've been um, you've been part of the coaching setup for the under 18s. Yeah, you were involved in the in the senior women's team at uh, the recent World Championships, and you also just mentioned the Olympics. And I guess you look at the talent that this country is starting to develop. What is the next steps to continuing on with that development so that Australia can move up the can move up the ranking so that hopefully you know we can see Australia go to the Olympics as part of ice hockey in that top division and at the world championships and get that, get that better exposure for Australia because it, and we touched on this, um, it has been difficult for coverage wise. It's um, like, if you look at the national championships, it's single camera setups. There's no commentary. Like there's, it's not like, even though it like it's accessible on YouTube, it's not easily accessible if you're not looking for it. Whereas if you get the Olympics coverage, you know, it was here in Australia, at least it's on channel seven. Every game was available on demand, you know, so, so there's that, that level of exposure there. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think um, there's a few different levels for that. Um, as a team that, um, that goes and travels overseas, um, obviously Australia is quite big and we, um, we train together once or twice before we go to Worlds. Um, three times if you're really lucky, um, pre-COVID, um, but usually we would go go away ahead of time, have a training camp all overseas. And um, the fact that we can build that much team chemistry and that much team culture with potentially people that you meet at the airport a week before is crazy. Like, I think that's a real, a, a real credit to um, us as hockey players. Um, I, other countries, I was talking um, at Worlds this year when we played against Iceland, um, the the captain was absolutely gobsmacked that we hadn't trained together. They were training together once a fortnight leading up to the um, leading up to the tournament and uh, we all met about a week, week before. So um, the fact that we can come together with not much time is great, but I think for us to move beyond the next level, the first thing I, I would say is more... Um, more training camps, more time to spend together, um, whether that's flying people into Melbourne or getting us um, some more international competition. Um, that brings me to the second point. We, we need more games. Um, lots of the European countries play sort of mini mini tournaments against each other. Um, again, we, we, we can't because we're quite far away. Um, so in terms of the level, that's sort of, I think that's what we have to do um, to, to really to get us to, to the next level. Um, in terms of, to put my coaching hat on for a second, um, I think uh, we need to get girls at that young age and develop their hockey IQ as well as their skills and their, um, their strength of, of the ice too. And I think we need to um, build build hockey players that we that we want to come into um in, in, into our national teams. Um and I think 
just the exposure alone is is getting people wanting to play, wanting to go to their local ADUB tryouts, and that will eventually benefit um, the national teams in the long run too. You mentioned the, you know, getting the players together that want to play for the national team and, you know, getting everyone together for, like, for, uh, for perhaps training sessions in Melbourne and something like that. And I, I look back to a player uh, who's recently, who represented Australia quite recently, which was uh, Matilda Petherick, who's based out of the United States. And we had a wonderful chat to her on our debut episode. So you can go back and listen to that. It will be in the podcast feed. And, you know, she'd never met you guys before, you know, and it was that, that coming together that you mentioned of, hey, like, she slotted so seamlessly into the lineup. And so I guess that's a testament to getting the best mm. players available, you know, having to, and then I guess this goes back to the national team setup as well, is how do you do that scouting to find players who are eligible for Australia who don't live in Australia because, you know, their parents have moved overseas for, for something like that? Yeah, like how, how do you go about doing something like that? I guess that's sort of a, a higher level <laughs> IHA question, but for, for me, um, you know, we, we have lots of EOI, EOI processes and there are opportunities for people to kind of come and, you know, say I have an Australian pa passport, I can play for Australia. But um, lots of the girls um, are originally, like Tilly Petrick is an anomaly there. Most of the girls are at some point in Australia, so we, like, People do know who they are, but they've moved um, later. Um, and I just think, I mean, just more training opportunities. I would, I would love for us to be able to to train overseas, and that that's not just the week before the tournament. You know, to to be able to go. And again, money comes into that too, and time off work and all of that stuff. So you know, I'm I'm talking about best case scenario here, but um, I just think, uh, yeah, the more times that the team can come together, the more time other overseas players that are eligible could also come together too and yeah it really is a testament to um that we can play together with not spending much time together and it's a great testament to the coaches as well that like you know they know our chemistry and we we, we work out what what the best for the team is which is really good um one thing that uh lots of countries do say is just Aussies have that grit and that just do or die, just keep going attitude. And we um we definitely we we bring that in, in other sports in Australia. So that's definitely something that we bring to the world stage, which I think would definitely benefit us in the in the higher levels. Um it's just I don't know, it's that mentality, <laughs> that Aussie mentality that we have. It'd be nice if we lived in a climate where you could just say to your teammates, hey, let's just go down to the local pond and, <laughs> and have a skate and have a, <laughs> and have a hit. Um, just talking about the national team and yourself, um, you've had some coaching experience um, also with on a New South Wales level. Um, and then you see Amelia Matheson, a um, bit of a trailblazer um, with the North Stars. Is that something that you, you're going to continue to pursue um, on the coaching side of things? Definitely. I um, Coaching and playing is very similar, but also very different. Um, and I, I love giving back to the sport and I love working with, um, whether it's young people or adults, I love working with people and um, helping them through their hockey goals and sort of how, when, when you work with younger people specifically, it, it's how you can help them develop as 
a person and a hockey player. And I, I really love that aspect. And yeah, I coached the under 13s this year. Um, and I'm lucky enough to um, have worked with a UA teams team a lot for, um, for the Aussie team. And yeah, I, I really, I really hope that I can keep pursuing that as well as my, my playing career. I really do love giving back to the sport in a coaching sense too. So uh, for for yourself, Remy, you've you've got the um, the season ahead. You're the defending champions uh, at the moment. Everyone, you've got a target on your back. Um, you know, there's uh, every team's going to be coming for you. Uh, what's what's one of your uh, personal goals for for the season? Like, is there an, an aspect of of the game that that you're that you're working on to to try to uh, improve on specifically? Um, for me personally, um. I, I'm a defenseman, um, a happy, proud, stay-at-home defenseman, um, but I'd love to be more offensive and um, to help help the team in, in two-way hockey. Um, so whether that's shot from the blue line or carrying the puck in, I'd really like to bring um, more offensive side to the game as well. Um, yeah, that, that that's for me personally. <laughs> And that whistle means that it is time for the penalty kill. So for those of you who have forgotten what the penalty kill is, it's quick fire, rapid round sort of questions uh, where we ask our guests just some quick fire answers. So we will get straight into it. Your favourite karaoke song? Oh, um, I've gone blank and my teammates will be laughing because I love my karaoke song. Uh, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Nice, classic. Uh, your favourite meal? Um, schnitty chicken special. Uh, favorite travel destination? Italy, for sure. Favorite book? The Hockey Bible. It's it's a coaching book. It's very nice. Favorite movie or TV show? Um, favorite movie. I think I'm going to go generic here and say Miracle on Ice. Very, very, very good hockey movie. <laughs> uh, your favourite Simpsons character? I didn't really watch The Simpsons. I guess, like, I guess Lisa, I guess. Good answer, good answer. What's the best rink that you've ever played at? Best rink? Oh, um... In uh, Liberets in Czech, we had a camp there one year and we uh, were lucky enough to play and train on the um the Liberets Tigers home home rink, which was huge stadium, jumbotron, all the things. So cool. Uh what's the worst rink that you've ever played at? Oh, um don't want to offend people here. Um I I guess Oakley probably, Melbourne. Sorry Melbourne people, love you. <laughs> Uh, everyone usually says Canberra, so yeah. Oh yeah, Canberra. Yeah, it, I haven't played there in a while. It, it's a it's a different one. It's, we we haven't had Oakley yet. Um, and your favorite sport besides ice hockey and why? Bouldering, rock rock climbing is actually um one of my favorite ways to cross train. Um, I don't know, really good for back stability and also really really interesting. Uh, um, good good for your brain too because it's all about problem solving and and moving around. So yeah, but bouldering, big fan. And then to wrap up the penalty kill, your favourite flavour of shapes? Chicken crimpy, for sure. Yes! The Chicken. crimp is back, baby! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it's the only flavour. the only one. 
that, that is the penalty kill. Um, so we'll move on to the last little set of questions we've got. Uh, how did you discover ice hockey and how did your career get started? Um, my parents actually ice skated. Um, uh, they, they met at Canterbury Ice Rink, fun fact. Um, and I, it was just sort of our standard Saturday afternoon family activity when I was younger. I started skating when I was about four or five and, um, I was quite a, um, a girly girl that loved singing and dancing because I thought I was going to be a figure skater and I had, was not, was not keen on that idea and, um, really liked when I saw a hockey game. I really liked it. So I started playing when I was about six or seven. Um, and later, yeah, my parents got involved too. So it was a real family thing for, for me, which is really nice. Um, and in terms of my career, I watched a lot of, I, I played for the, the Sydney Bears growing up in the club and I watched a lot of um, Sydney Bears and Ice Dogs games out of Blacktown Ice Rink when I was young. Um, so I got to see a, a lot of that and um, that sort of, yeah, got, got me into hockey. And then Eventually played for, um, made some, made some state teams. And when I was old enough, um, played for the Sydney Sirens. And that sort of uh, kind of guided my pathway into, um, from a young age, I knew I wanted to, um, yeah, pursue hockey and sort of represent Australia if I could. So, um, yeah, that was always in, in my sights and slowly, slowly went up from there. Was lucky enough to eventually make the Team Australia side and, and and you've you've already played over a hundred AWIHL games. Is is that right, Remy? And you're not old by by any means. Did um so did did you come into the league before the the age uh the current age re requirement? Yes, I was eleven when I first played. Um, the the league has definitely progressed. Um, beyond then, obviously. Um, but. I, I can't remember when the A-Dub started and when, because there was just like a, there was a few years where it was the showcase series. So I played um, right from the, the beginning till that. So yeah, at some point, yeah, I was, um, I was an 11 year old playing <laughs> and um, I've played every season since. So you're, you're playing at 11. And when I was 11, I was probably watching Agro's Cartoon Connection or something like that, you know, of a morning or, che or Cheese TV or something like that, and you're out there playing hockey. <laughs> I loved it. I really, I really did. I wasn't, yeah, <laughs> definitely a hockey head. What, what, is, what have you seen in the way of uh, um, pathways opening up for, for young players? Um, so uh, I know we, we already asked a question about, like, development of the league and how that's changed. Uh, what, what have you seen in the way of, of young girls that want to play and keeping them um, kind of engaged in the sport right right through? Um, if I'm comparing to when I was um, looking, uh, I was like a, a young female person looking for the next step in my hockey career, It there wasn't a U18s team at the time. So there was some select trips. So you'd they'd sort of they'd bring a, a group of girls together that were either younger or weren't quite making the Australian team yet. We'd go and I was very fortunate to go to, to go to Sweden with one of those trips and they, you know, did used to travel, but there was no formal under 18 program. Um, so that is the first really big change that I'm actually really glad to be part of as well um, as a coach. And um, I think that just gives... It gives um, young girls a stepping stone to be able to achieve and or to be pushed and to um, to aim to make the team 
before um, having their sights set on the, the senior team. Um, so for me, it was when I was 14, I wanted to play for the senior team and there was no real different. Um, there was also not many girls when I was young too. It was very common to be the only girl on the team. Um, st still is now, but usually there's at least two or three on the, the boys teams kind of when girls are coming through. So I just think our visibility is really good. Um, and the fact that there are more girls playing hockey. Um, I think there are more female coaches, thanks to Amelia Matheson, Tamara, myself, you know, there, there are, there's, we're, we're present, we're, we're at the table now, which is, which is great. So I just think that's, um, that's a barrier within itself. Um, yeah. And I, I think um, the, the national camps and just sort of general um, training opportunities have also come a long way as well. I still would love to see at a, at a club level, some more, um, some more opportunities for young girls to come together and play um, rather than just at that, um, that, you know, national level. But yeah, there's definitely been a lot of development um, since I was younger. Um, and then I guess what, as we kind of touched on this already, um, but I guess what do you think is the most pressing issue with the sport in Australia and why? Just, mm -hmm. um, I think especially at the moment in light of recent events, ice, ice time and ice rinks, um, we were really lucky in New South Wales. We, we had a lot and within just a couple of months, we've lost two, um, both Penrith and hopefully Canterbury can um, open up soon. But um, that's really impacted the um, New South Wales community. Um, we had clubs that just overnight didn't have places to go. Um, that's really at a gra grassroots level, but I think if we can't develop at a grass grassroots level, we um, you know, can't develop further than that. So I really think ice time, um, whether going back to what we we're talking about before, whether that means um, ice time being able to fly overseas or go somewhere to train as a team, I think we need um, the the higher level players or the the people that are the pushing to play at the higher level need to spend more time together. Um, whether that's in Melbourne, in where, a rink anywhere in Australia or overseas, um, I think we just need to spend more time together. <laughs> no, I think I think that's that's great. I think um, yeah, really appreciate you you coming on, Remy, and um, sharing a bit of your journey and your story with us. And um, we uh, wish you all the best with with your season with the the Sirens. Um, you know, hopefully you make uh, your two hundredth game um fingers crossed so um yeah but that's uh it's it's great to see the league back after something like a thousand a thousand days um so yeah thank you for for coming on to the podcast thank you very much for having me it was a pleasure and that was our interview with remy harvey we thank remy once again for joining us uh, as we mentioned, uh, to kick off the pod just before the start of that interview, we were going to take a uh, quick look at the weekend's action coming up. The Brisbane Lightning will be back, and they will be hosting the Perth Inferno on uh, the 12th and the 13th, while the Adelaide Rush and Melbourne Ice will face off in Adelaide. And those are the week two matchups. As with the AWIHL as a whole, both matchups consisting of double headers across the weekend. One game on the Saturday, one game on the 
Sunday. So you'll have four games of eight dub action this week. Uh, the Sirens after their said after their sweep of the Lightning last week at Macquarie will as uh, the odd team out not playing this week, but they will travel to Perth uh, next weekend, the nineteenth and the twentieth, to face the Inferno, and those will be the sole games in action that weekend. So. Brisbane Lightning looking to bounce back against the Perth Inferno this weekend. Adelaide Rush and Melbourne Ice also looking to kick off their seasons in winning fashion. And you can watch all those games on Clutch TV. And just a reminder, you can interact with us on Twitter and Instagram at netsticks underscore chill. And we will also, in the, um, in the episode description, we will be posting the link... Uh, to our weekend's wrap-up from last weekend. If you want to go into a little bit more detail of the games between the Sydney Sirens and the Brisbane Lightning, and we will have weekly wrap-ups for you over at theinnersanctum.com.au of all the weekend's action. And we will, of course, wrap everything up on the pod each week as well. That will do us for this week for Gordon Goodenough and Andrew McDougall. My name is Stephen Paletti. Thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week.